Scott Colborn with Exploring Unexplained Phenomena, and it's great to be with you. Whether you're at the workplace or just kicking around home, music from the band Enigma, and that's their most current recording. Jim, what's the name of that uh, recording? That recording is called Moon, as in the bright thing in the sky at night. Yeah, a great band. And... uh, Dave and Carolyn sent me a Christmas card. Thank you so much. That was... I got one as well. And uh, Carolyn's Christmas cards are always great for a laugh. Jim Shorty and Scott Colborn exploring unexplained phenomena. And we've got uh, a main guest today. We've never had her before. First time guest, Dr. Linda Bachman. She's the author of three books, including the latest, Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary past lives. First whoop. First up is going to be uh, Charlene with Pet Talk. And then we've got uh, we've got Jim over here playing some of the music in the air studio. <laughs> stop! Stop you demon, stop. <laughs> it won't stop. There. See he just stop. he just he can't get enough it's, of the band. Uh, yeah. The buttons are overriding what I want to do. Okay, as I was saying, <laughs> no, Enigma's a great band. They are. I hope you enjoy the broadcast today. We're going to start with Charlene with the Capital Humane Society and the segment we love to call Pet Talk. Hi, Charlene. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, great. Give me an update on Baby Girl. Is she still out there? She is still available, looking for that perfect family. She's very smart and will do very well with someone who is experienced and can bring out the best in her. We've uh, uh, we've talked about her this week. I saw the post on Facebook that she had a, an outing out to a lake, and uh, I posted that twice. I'm doing all that I can from my end to try to make people aware that there's a great dog out there. And... Uh, I just keep hoping that it's been so long now because uh, she's waiting for that right person. Exactly. I just love to have that person adopt baby girl and then to let us know, and uh, we will just jump for joy. That will be me too, yes. Okay, I've got Cats for Adoption. This is Charlene with the Capital Humane Society in Lincoln, Nebraska, and let's talk about Cats for Adoption. Okay, we're going to start with Diamond. And Diamond is about a year old, a spade female, a domestic short hair. She's got big, bright eyes in her picture. She is a beauty, ready to be treasured by a new family that is just looking for a really engaging companion. So Diamond the cat. And if you already have a a pet named Lucy, Uh you could have Lucy in the sky with Diamond. (laughs) Well, that was a stretch, wasn't it? This is a, yeah, Jim, this is a new improved website, too, we're looking at. It's a nice layout, big pictures. Look at that. Diamond I'm a little is, bit lost because I need to update my bookmarks, but uh, I, I found it. I found it. Diamond is just really intrigued by whatever the photographer's got, the toy or the treat there. Right, she's really. watching oh, that. Yeah. yeah, big, bright eyes. Big, bright eyes, you bet. We're looking at the same website you can look at, capitalhumanesociety.org. Diamond the Cat is followed by... 
Sebastian, who is three years old, a neutered male, a Maine Coon mix. So he's a bigger oh. cat. Um, he is just gorgeous, looking for a home with people who will take excellent care of him. He's a little bit shy in the photo, kind of ducked back. But once he knows he can trust you, he's going to do fine. Mm-hmm. Yep, great-looking cat, gorgeous cat. Sebastian is our second cat for adoption today. Two cats are better than one. Diamond, Sebastian, and then there's... So on page two of our cats, there's Tucker. And Tucker is a very handsome cat. You can't take a bad picture of him. He's about three years old, has short hair, tabby markings, big, curious eyes, ready to be your smart sidekick. Very regal-looking cat, Jim. Look Uh at that. Yeah, he kind of kind of has a superhero look to him. Yeah, right? there you <laughs> go. Ready to go out and fight evil, and that's nice. I like that. Yeah. Okay, Tucker the Super Cat with super Sebastian cat. and Diamond. Um, and Charlene, you guys and gals are open today and tomorrow. We are. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30. Okay, I'm going back to the to the main page because it says help decorate our tree. What's that all about? So you can purchase a holiday bulb and each one costs $10 and that will help us to purchase a microchip for each adoption pet. So it's a really great way to help us. The microchips are an awesome device to help reunite pets with their people if the um, dog or cat happens to wander out of the house. So um, it's a great idea and a wonderful way to support our work. And how do we, how do we make that, that uh, requisition or purchase? You can come to either of our facilities and do it, or you can do it online at capitalhumanesociety.org. Okay. Jim, I think I'm going to do one on behalf of the show. Okay. That's so nice. We'll do one for, for yeah, EUP. Sure. And then whenever anybody looks at that bill, they're going to go, EUP? Yup. What? <laughs> they're going to say awesome. It's a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dogs for Adoption at the Capital Humane Society. So we're going to start with Joy, and she has the perfect name because she is full of joy. She is a chocolate lab, likes to go, 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 about two years old, uh, looking for a family that wants to go, go, go with her. (laughs) She's going to need a lot of exercise and attention. Uh, She might be a little too much for young kids, so we're definitely going to want you to introduce her to any children, Um, but she may be perfect, so ask about Joy. Uh, that young person that is really getting into physical fitness for the uh-huh. daily runs or the long walks, this would be a great dog for you. Okay, Joy, her picture's up at capitalhumanesociety.org. And then we've got... Duke, and he is a year-old Border Collie mix, a very intelligent dog, wants very much to be right next to you, so mm-hmm. he's going to want to be an important part of the family, not ignored in any way, and he'll impress you with his loyalty. And if there's a member of the family whose name is Earl, you've just got to go for Duke, right? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help that. I'm sorry. Joy, Duke, that great-looking dog, and who's the third dog? Travolta. 
And Travolta is a two-year-old neutered male. Uh, we have that he's a Shetland sheep dog mix. I think I see a little spaniel or something in there. Um, he wants to be with you, too, right by your side, uh, part of your day, going for walks and playing. Um, he was friendly when he met another dog, so he might be a good companion for a dog you have at home already. Mm-hmm. So Travolta is a, a nice smaller dog, just 22 and a half pounds, looking for a great family. Uh, Travolta, would you show us your tongue, please? Joy, Duke, and Travolta There's other great dogs as well Including that wonderful baby girl Waiting for the right home Look at their pictures at CapitalHumaneSociety.org And uh, it's a great website to bookmark Stop by at least once a week And look at the dogs and cats for adoption And we sure appreciate you folks out there too um, With your uh, adoptions this holiday season what we don't want to do, Charlene, is we don't want to have somebody um, give an adopted dog as a gift without knowing if the person is going to be able to have a pet. Right. So that person should choose it. They may have uh, things going on in their life. There may be some allergies in the family or landlord restrictions. So those are things you need to consider. Uh, so we do have gift certificates available if you're interested in buying one of those to give to a friend who's looking for a pet. There we go. Okay, hours open today and tomorrow for dogs and cats for adoption. Our Pylock Pet Adoption Center is open on Saturday and Sunday from 11 to 5.30. And I just made a note here that says EUP bulb. And so I'll take care of that later today. Awesome. That is so kind. Thank you very, very much. Charlene, thank you for all your great work. Uh, Merry Christmas and talk to you next week. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Charlene and friends at the Capital Humane Society make them the first place you go when you want to adopt a dog or a cat. I'm Scott Colborn, and you're listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena. Our next guest is Lloyd Arbach, the author of many books on parapsychology. He's taught at the collegiate level and often consulted by TV and motion pictures when they want to do something with lots of accuracy in the paranormal. Also active through the Forever Family Foundation and the uh, Ryan Institute. It's my pleasure to have Lloyd Arbach back on the program. Hi, Lloyd. Hey, Scott. What's what's new out there on the on the West Coast? What are you doing these days? Well, um, I just got back you know, a couple of weeks ago from a mediumship conference. Actually, it was on the East Coast. The Forever Family Foundation had our second uh, oh. kind of biannual mediumship conference looking at spirit mediumship from both, uh, really, from the experiential perspective, but with a little bit of science thrown in as well. And uh, that was kind of a fun, a real fun conference that's out there. Uh, and you've, you've got a, a, a long history of involvement with the Forever Family Foundation. You, you obviously have met mediums that you believe really have that gift of being able to contact and pass along messages from departed loved ones. Well, that's the thing, is that there are, you know, there's so many people out there who call themselves psychics or mediums, and the Foundation actually is one organization that has spent the time to actually figure out a way to at least say that these folks are coming up with true evidence, uh, with real information, without having any background knowledge of the person. It's not cold reading. It's not false. So whether you want to believe that it's 
you know, which I do, that they're talking to discarnate or spirit entities, or whether you want to believe that you're just really, really psychic and coming up with great information, there is really good evidence that this is what they're, they're doing something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's really the, the main thing. I mean, we have within parapsychology even a debate from a philosophical perspective of whether or not these folks are just very, very, very psychic, like more psychic than a lot of the others, and they're not even realizing that they're coming up with information and creating the idea that they're talking to spirits or that they really are. There really is life after death. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I subscribe to the idea that our consciousness survives the death of the body. So to, to boil that down to, to either or, you've either got... Um psychics that are picking up on information from the living person, from their memories, from their thoughts, from their feelings, and then that's the information they get, and or they truly are receiving information from departed loved ones. Well, it's actually more than that, I think, because the information that they're getting, some of it is information that the person does not know. Yeah, uh, that's important. verified later on, that's number one. And the other thing that's really different than what psychics, really good psychics do, psychics who don't purport to speak to the dead, they're come up, the mediums come up with information in a way and a description of the, the deceased person that is more than just facts and figures. It's really personality. And we don't get that from regular psychics. You know, when psychics do a reading and they talk about other people in your life, they don't describe you know, well, they used to they used to talk like this, or they used to say this, or in the case of um, Joseph Shield, who is one of the mediums from upstate New York, he's also an artist, and he draws the person that he actually sees, that he's perceiving. And we don't get, and, and what really is kind of cool is he gets the drawing, and then the person will dig around and try to find a photo, and then you see the person's photo, and it matches the drawing, and that's that's more than what more that what psychics typically get. Mm-hmm. So, all mediums are psychic, not all psychics are mediums. That's kind of the saying that we've got. I, I remember reading several accounts of of um, mediums that were talking to departed loved ones, and the the information was that there is something uh, hidden, and so they should look in a certain place for it, there's going to be a document, and it it may be behind a a panel on the wall, it may be in the basement someplace, or there's a lost heirloom, and the information then is received, the people go and look, and sure enough, there is that evidence there. Uh, You know, that's a rare thing, that's a rare thing, because I think most people don't have things hidden from their family that way. But it does come up quite every once in a while, yes. Yeah, I just was trying to think of an example that the people listening could relate to, that some way that the, that the um, living person would not have known that information. And the Well, you know, it's, I think it's really interesting that um, most people who get readings from really good mediums mm-hmm. can recognize that it's not just the facts. It's not just the person, uh, the, the, the practitioner, the medium getting information, that there's something more than that. There's actual communication going on. There's an, an emotional connection that happens in those circumstances that goes well beyond what you'd get where normally in a psychic reading. And, you know, there have been studies now, um, not many, but a few studies already that show that there are 
from a clinical psychology perspective, there is a benefit. Uh, in fact, there are many benefits for a good medium helping a person getting through their grief. Uh, there are those people who just can't let go. That's, you know, that, that's a problem. Uh, and the, we see that occasionally at our, some of our events. But for the most part, this can be a real healing experience for people to see a good medium. Time and space is probably a lot different, uh, quote-unquote, on the other side. Uh, is, there, yeah. is there any, by our earthly standards, is there any length of time that, uh, that a person can still receive messages from departed loved ones? Um, do, they, do they get... It, it, it really doesn't seem that way. I mean, people will get messages from grandparents who died okay. 20 years ago. Uh, the thing is, it's really uh, an expectation piece, I think, is that mediums do not have the ability to just dial up anybody. So if you want to see a medium and said, I want to talk to my father or my grandfather, um, the medium is actually limited by whoever comes. So, you know, there have been times that I've seen in some of the sessions that I've witnessed that the person wants to talk to their deceased father or mother, Mm -hmm. So they want to talk to their, their father, and suddenly their mother comes through. And the person says, well, I don't want to talk to my mother. I didn't belong with my mother. <laughs> like, well, you know, that's who wants to talk to you. Uh-huh. Uh, your father doesn't want to talk to you, or, or he's not available. So it's, it's like dialing a phone, and whoever's home is who actually answers the phone. Um, what were some of the several of the high points or takeaways from this conference with the Forever Family Foundation that you just attended? Well, I think really in general, these conferences provide further evidence of connection, of connection between the living and those who have physically passed. You know, I hate to say life after death because it's the death of the body, uh, and really think of it as the way we look at this idea of an afterlife is that consciousness is still living. It's just living in a different form. So that's, I think, one major piece that people always need to remember. The other thing is that this year we actually had a lot of people who were interested in the process of mediumship and in psychic phenomena in general, whereas in past conferences we've often gotten people who just want readings. And I think that was a real major takeaway for us is that we can, we really do want to help the people or work with the people who want to learn more about what the process is and the the science behind it and how it relates to other psychic phenomena. I actually did a session on psychic dreaming and I did a, we did a spoon bending party for a small group as one of the breakouts that people could do. There were actually other breakouts people were able to do as well. Man, I'd want so to leave my. Kind of what, what I would way? want to leave my watch and my car keys in a separate location if I went to that event of spoon bending. Well, I've done a couple of them the last couple of months, and uh, nobody's keys have bent and nobody's watches have gotten bent out of shape. So we've been good. We focused on the on the spoons and the forks. Hey, a, a final comment. We've got <clears throat> this month one of the biggest ghost stories. Uh, in our recent history, and it's the Charles Dickens story of Scrooge. Right, right. Yeah, um, you know, I think that uh, A Christmas Carol 
and other works that Charles Dickens wrote redefined the ghost story for the for the modern world in many respects. Uh, folks who are involved in the literature review have pointed to those stories as kind of giving us a slightly different view. And, and actually, the late 19th century gave us a number, and early 20th century gave us a number of fun ghost stories. Uh, one of my favorites, actually, that came out after uh, Christmas Carol was Oscar Wilde's The Canterville Ghost. So there's a lot of... Uh, we, we owe a lot to Charles Dickens in t- terms of kind of changing the story or giving a narrative that's a little bit different to us. And speaking of writing projects, is there anything that <clears throat> is currently on your writing desk? Well, um, Any projects? I, I haven't had the time, but I'm working towards getting some time to um, look at some old Fate Magazine articles and kind of update and comment on some really great cases from the past 75 years. Mm-hmm. See what's there. Excellent. That's one project. And the other is uh, actually something that people have been after me to write is kind of a memoir of my adventures in parapsychology. So I'm, I'm trying to work on that, too. Cool. Lloyd, uh, in this month of expressing gratitude, uh, we are expressing gratitude for you and our association with you. Thank you, Sue, for your, for your uh, good work. Thank you, Scott. All the best to you and your family, Lloyd, and uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Happy holidays, and have a great New Year to everybody out there. How do you say it? May the force be with you? May the force be with you. (laughs) Always. There we go. (laughs) Lloyd Auerbach. You'll find Lloyd, L-O-Y-D, Auerbach, A-U-E-R-B-A-C-H, Lloyd Auerbach on Facebook, the author of many books, including the uh, uh, classic book, ESP Hauntings and Poltergeists, and uh, Mind Over Matter, uh, all those should be on your, your library shelves. Lloyd-Jones joins us every third Saturday of the month with the update on parapsychology. His segment's called Invisible Signals. Our main guest coming up is Dr. Linda Bachman. We'll do the bottom of the hour break, and we'll be back with our special guest, Dr. Linda Bachman, the author of Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. I'm Scott Colborn with Jim and you guys and gals out there. We are exploring unexplained phenomena. in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from the Nebraska Recycling Council. 
helping to protect the natural environment and extend the life of our landfill, reminding Lincoln and Lancaster County that corrugated cardboard will not be accepted at the landfill. For more on recycling services and area drop-off sites, nrcne.org or 402-436-2384. My name is Manny Morales. I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress, but big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray, and Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. This program is made possible in part by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock and one freezing cold rushing black mountain river. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Are you looking for cutting-edge answers to your health questions? Do you have health questions that are not being addressed by your health provider? Then tune in to Health Talk, your weekly one-hour show on all of the relevant health issues of our day. This is Dr. Paul Fernhaber, and I'm on the show every Saturday morning from 9 to 10. I will not only give you the latest in scientific information on current health topics, but I'll give you an opportunity to call into the show and have your concerns addressed. We'll see you this Saturday morning. We are so glad you walked into our life, and we look forward to being with you every step of the way. Stay warm this winter with our new KZOM socks. That's correct, KZOM socks. A special thank you gift when you give at kzom.org. Or by calling me now with your new end, your year-end gift. That's right, your new year-end gift to KZUM Radio at 402-474-5086, extension 1. Um, I don't need ties. I'm fine with that. We always appreciate donated prepaid gift cards from Zaptel for the show. We use those to call our guests worldwide. And KZUM loves year-end donations. If you'd like to become a Lister member, this is a wonderful experience. A unique radio station, non-commercial, independent, and uh, just the sort of station that you like to listen to for weeks, months, or years now. We'd love to have your donation and your support, your year-end gift, at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or securely online at kzum.org.
And uh, thank you so much for that. Jim, what do we have in our coffee cups? Oh, we, we have some witch's brew that you came up <clears> with <throat> that's uh, it's actually quite good. Kind of a mixture of Jack yeah. Reacher coffee and Sumatra. And uh, fresh ground, boy, it's going down it's great. And it smells wonderful. Um, what's the weather forecast for the weekend here for southeast Nebraska? Oh, you would ask me that. I haven't looked it up yet. Uh, right now, it's beautiful outside, yeah. sunny, and I don't see a cloud in the sky. High 40s, and, low 50s, uh, high I High 40s, think. low 50s. I think tomorrow's probably going to be a continuation of today. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, we can do this. We sure can. From our uh, sister uh, neighbor from Colorado, our next guest, Dr. Linda Bachman, and her husband, Dr. Earl Bachman, make their home out in Boulder, Colorado. They operate the Ravenheart Center in Boulder, and this is a mystery school dedicated to guiding individuals to discovering their soul path. And more information is at ravenheartcenter.com. Our first-time guest is Dr. Linda Bachman. She's been a practicing psychologist for four decades, trained by Dr. Michael Newton, and was a co-founder with Dr. Newton of the Society for Spiritual Regression. She's the author of three books, including the most recent book with a gorgeous front cover, Souls on Earth. Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. Please welcome to the broadcast, Dr. Linda Bachman. Hi, Linda. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me as your guest today. And I, I take it we're talking to you someplace in and around Boulder? <laughs> I, yes, I live in Boulder County uh, and not the city of Boulder, but yes, about uh, 15, 20 minutes from Boulder proper. Are you also having just a gorgeous day out there, bright sun and... You know, it, it's kind of funny. It was really windy this morning. It's calmed down a bit. It's a bit overcast. Um, but I think it's scheduled to be in the 50s today. And that's great, except we need moisture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And we're down, we're down slope from you. So we, we love you getting moisture there because we benefit down slope. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Absolutely. Uh, did you always uh, live in Boulder? Oh, that's a good question. Well, um, I am a I'm a Colorado native. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up in Colorado Springs, but then I left in my early twenties. I was I lived outside of Colorado for over thirty years, and about twenty years, um, we came back uh, to Colorado and 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 back to Boulder area, which is where we wanted to live. But mm-hmm. so. You know, lots of time in Colorado, but also much time uh, in three other states. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a practicing psychologist. You've got four decades of experience. Um, are you still active in that profession? Do you still see clients and, and uh, people? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I yes, I am very much a full-time working person, and, and happily so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in your... Um, clinical experience with people, uh, did you choose to start to go into uh, hypnotic regression uh, and or was it something that 
that seemed to pop up with some of your clients that suggested that that might be valuable for you and for them? Yeah, you know, the, my my story with that, and I'll try to make it moderately short, I, I would I would sort of begin the story by saying this work, um, soul-level work, chose me. I didn't choose it, mm-hmm. at least consciously as a human person. I didn't choose it. So my story is about 25 years ago, I always tell it this way, I was minding my own business as a psychologist in general private practice, Scott. I, um, back then, 25 or so years ago, if you'd asked me if I believed in reincarnation, I would have said, I don't know. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I don't. Mm-hmm. It, it really uh, hadn't, you know, crossed my, crossed my radar screen. And then, um, in the, in the early 90s, my original psychologist colleague with whom we built a group practice of psychologists and psychiatrists, um, he was 14 years younger um, than, than I am, he was diagnosed with a serious type of lung cancer, and in the spring of 1993, the cancer took his life. Within about a day or two of his passing, I began to have what I would call spiritual experiences that I had never had before. I didn't quite know what to do with what I was experiencing, but basically what happened um, was that I began to feel his energy all around me. I began to intuit that he was communicating to me, which was all completely a new experience, at least in my conscious awareness, and I felt that I had I began to see scenes in my mind of past lives that he uh, as someone other than the person I'd known him to be that he was a part of these past lives. So, long story short, I asked my husband, um the my husband, you know, as you mentioned, Earl Backman, um we'd been together already about 25 years. I asked Earl to sit down. Earl uh, spent almost 30 years as a university professor and administrator. So mm-hmm. I asked Earl to sit down. He knew my colleague well, and I said, I've got to tell you what's going on with me. Tell me it's crazy. So I explained it to Earl, and he looked back at me, Scott, and said, well, I don't think that's weird and crazy. And I said, why not? And he said, here's why. He said, basically, um, Earl had repressed something that happened to him as a child, and he said, as a boy, I now recall that I remembered my past lives in great detail. I somehow knew they were my past lives, but I just pushed it all aside because I didn't think anyone would believe me. So with that, I was on basically a new journey. Mm-hmm. Was And, and I, I say this with great respect. Uh, was there any danger that you felt in initially being too public about this uh, for fear that it might jeopardize either your practice and or your clinical standing, your certification, etc. Yeah, absolutely. You're reading that completely accurately, Scott. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I mean, at first it was like, okay, I'm compelled, I'm fascinated, and I want to learn about this. And then I thought, but oh my goodness, you know, I'm a licensed psychologist, you know, whatever, you know, well, you know, I had this impression that people would think I was crazy. And most back then in, in my busy and active um, psychological practice, most of my referrals came from medical doctors. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, my whole practice will just dry up and, and go away. But I couldn't 
stop myself. I I knew that I was passionate and fascinated. Of course, now I'm so glad I didn't block all that out. But yes, there were a lot of fears about lack of credibility and thinking I was weird and strange and blah blah blah. Um, but you know, the the journey continued and expanded and expanded. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, the writings of uh, Dr. M. Scott Peck. And um, yeah. for a lot of uh, people uh, who either have rediscovered Christianity or have considered that his writings are, are a real gift, and there was a, a news conference that he gave in Omaha, Nebraska, which is 50, 55 miles away from my hometown of Lincoln. Um, I was not able to attend, but I, I read the contents of the, of the news conference. And at one point, he's asked a question as this psychiatrist and author of many books, what do you thought about reincarnation? And he said, I've seen too much evidence to discount it. Next question, please. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. That's, you know, one, one of the deans right there of, of uh, current theological literature says, yep, there's a lot of evidence, and, you know, we need to, to not just push that away. So you, you began to uh, incorporate this, your personal experience. How did that then work with incorporating that with your work with your clients? Um, does, it, does a person, and I'm not trying to be too facetious, Dr. Bachman, but does a person put up a sign saying, you know, discover your past lives next to the <laughs> mailbox? And how do, you, how do you get that word out? That's that's a great way um, to put it, Scott. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just gonna just I, I'm gonna answer that question, but I want to toss out an, another name of, of a really credible person that mm-hmm. became a, a, a friend and colleague. Some people may know um, about um, Dr. Norman Sheely. Dr. Norman Sheely is an mm-hmm. MD PhD. He developed the TENS unit for pain. You know, he's a he he's a doc in the field of neurology and and so but he completely believes in past lives he started the um holistic the American Holistic Medical Association he's quite well known and you know he knows about his past lives he talks a lot about his past lives so um well what you know in answer to your question what happened is the the expansion was it, at first was slow, slow uh, because my left brain, I would say, was still sort of overriding my my right brain belief in intuition and spiritual focus and that sort of thing. So I started reading um, anything I could put my hands on that I thought was credible information. Um, I already had um, a hypnosis training in my background, though I really almost never used it. Mm-hmm. And then I first learned how to guide past life regression before I expanded into uh, between life regression and, and, and spent some time um, working closely with Dr. Michael Newton. But so at first I thought, well, you can't just have a client, you know, relax through um, breathing and guided imagery and metaphor and, and discover their past lives. But the more I did it, the more it, it began to, to, to work very well. So essentially what happened is I maintained my general, formal, conventional private practice 
and where I thought a client might be open to it, I would gingerly, you know, kind of put a couple toes in the water and see if they were interested in um, some, uh, early on, some past life progression work. And it began to expand slowly. And I today I know how it works. It's like, you know, my spiritual guides were hanging out supporting me, but um, they were waiting for me because I had to make the decision. Mm-hmm. So slowly there was a little bit more and a little bit more past life regression. And then I discovered between lives regression and met um, Dr. Michael Newton and studied with him and then co-taught with him. And I began to understand not just past lives, but the soul. So it was gradual, step by step. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks, our guest today is Dr. Linda Bachman. The current book is Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. She operates with her husband, Dr. Earl Bachman, the Ravenheart Center, and um, after the three W's and dot, if you type in in your search bar, Raven heartcenter.com that'll pop right up you'll also find raven heart center on facebook as well as linda r bachman i'm scott colborn and you're listening to exploring unexplained phenomena you know great things folks are afoot at kzum that's only made possible by your generous contributions you'll feel it on your soul that's the bottom of the foot that feel good feeling of supporting your community radio station Or maybe that's because our sweet new KZUM socks, that's right, KZUM socks, yours when you give your year-end gift of $50 or more. You can call us at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or securely online at kzum.org. Dr. Bachman, uh, my friend and colleague Paula Harris uh, lives in Boulder. And she's uh, got an annual conference called the Starworks USA UFO Symposium. This next one coming up in November 2019 has got a focus of ESP remote viewing and UFOs. And I just couldn't help but thinking about early in your practice when you had your personal experiences and decided to, to venture into that area there was probably a little bit of that that uh, um, ESP internet, if you will, that psychic internet that started sending out the signal to people saying, you know, Dr. Bachman's in Boulder and she's interested in this, if you are. Um, do you ever find sometimes it can be circuitous, it can be roundabout, but somehow the way that people find you and your work is sometimes quite remarkable? Absolutely, and and I know that when people find me, however it is, you know, I often ask them how they find me, um, but however it is that they find me, uh, I completely believe there's an unseen process occurring, and um, because I work with clients um, and, and they connect with their spiritual guides, you know, most all the time when I guide regression work, I have no doubt that um, our higher self or that soul energy that we don't bring into body um, is, is you know, working directly with um, our spirit guides. 
and you know it's like the person that finds um an advertisement and then a book and then maybe somebody says have you ever heard about you know this person or this book mm-hmm. I, I think that's an orchestrated process from from mm-hmm. a higher level mm-hmm. i i owned a, a, a metaphysical bookstore for 19 years that closed in 2005 and i saw that process uh, almost on a daily basis of people coming in and, you know, the, the old cliche of books falling off the shelf right at their feet and uh, um, wandering up and looking in the top of the box of books I just received from a supplier and picking a book up and knowing that that's the exact book that they were kind of looking for. Um, so we have that, that intuitional um, internet, if you will, that sends out the word. Uh, and thank goodness for people like yourself that, uh, quote-unquote, have heard the call and have answered that call and are now offering that service to people. And uh, so I congratulate you and your, and your husband, Dr. Earl Bachman, on doing this. Uh, it's very, very important. If we have, before the top of the hour break, a couple of takeaways initially, I, I was struck by one of the, the credos that you said that that this is true for every soul that comes into this earth plane. Could you share that with our listeners? Well, I, you know, I would say that, first of all, we always have choice. At the soul level, um, our spiritual guides will encourage us. Um, it's time for another incarnation, and we will, if you will, quote-unquote, sit down and, and, and plan an upcoming incarnation with our guides. Um, but even though we may be strongly compelled and almost coerced to take another embodiment, um, if you will, uh, it, there still is a level of, of choice. And so, you know, a takeaway that maybe a lot of your listeners already believe in is that we plan our lives in advance. I know this from repetitive regressions where I don't give the information to the client. They give it to me. So I'm not planting these ideas in their mind. We plan embodiment. We plan gender and ethnicity, and we contract with souls to be our parents, et cetera, et cetera. So, um there is a, a plan, and we have a certain amount of say in that plan. Mm-hmm. And what's the idea of, of being of service? How does that enter into this? Is that one of the reasons why people choose to incarnate? That's a great question. Um, the the, the not-so-simple answer is that, um, and again, as listeners hear what I'm talking about, I didn't pluck this information out of the air. It comes from basically 25 years of guiding regression and looking for the overlap and, and my studies with, with a few people who've been my mentors. But mm-hmm. um, So when we're, a, if you will, when we're a younger soul, when we're earlier in our soul's evolution, um, then we may be coming into body to really just begin the uh, growth process um, so to speak, as a soul. We're not yet coming into body primarily to be of service. But once we reach, and I can say a lot more about this, you know, after the top of the hour, but once we reach, let's just say, a 7 on a scale of 10 of soul evolution, then we absolutely, you know, a part of our life contract, our life plan, 
is to be of service on this planet, of service to humanity, the earth, animals, and, you know, that whole package of, of assisting um, our, our globe to, to, to evolve. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes uh, we may meet somebody that we feel a affinity for, a closeness to, that somehow it feels like we've known them for years, and that could very well be true. <laughs> we could be meeting somebody that we've actually spent time with in many prior times. Yes, I mean, I would hazard to say that most of us, and, and when we talk about um, souls that are interplanetary souls, which I know we'll ultimately get into in our conversation, most of us know someone and maybe far more than one someone with whom we've had many prior uh, lifetimes mm-hmm. with, and we can feel that when we know them. After the top of the hour break, we'll talk uh, more with Dr. Linda Bachman, uh, the author of Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. We'll talk about uh, what is an IP, uh, what is a EB, and we'll talk about how both those come into play uh, here in this uh, earthly realm. Uh, it's a pleasure talking with you, Dr. Bachman. I hope so far you're enjoying your end of things. And uh, I've got some really strong, good coffee in my cup. I hope you uh, are enjoying the the conversation. If you'll stay right there, we'll be back after these top-of-the-hour break. Dr. Linda Bachman with Ravenheart Center in Boulder, Colorado. She's our special guest today. It's Scott Colborn here with Jim and you guys and gals out there. We are exploring unexplained phenomena. We'll be right back. Hey, the Voice of the Blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for KZUM comes from family-owned and operated Butheris Mason and Love Funeral Home at 40th and A Streets in Lincoln, offering services that allow families to plan ahead according to personal wishes, chapel facilities to accommodate all faiths, and grief support materials for the family following a service. More information is available at 402-488-0934 and online at bmlfh.com. I won't let all this commercialism ruin my Christmas. Be the bread to our ginger. Support KZUM with a year-end gift before January 1st to keep building on the momentum we've created together in 2018. Making one last contribution this year gets KZUM's new fiscal year rolling, sustaining programs like this that you tune in for every week. Plus, we have some incredible limited thank you gifts that any stocking would be thrilled to be stuffed with. Check them out and make your contribution by December 31st at kzum.org. Support for KZUM comes from Love the Locals, a maker's event featuring dozens of Nebraska artisans with local food and beer. Offering handmade gifts and treats for the holidays, plus live music on the KZUM stage with Evan Bartles, Rascal Martinez, and more. Love the Locals is Sunday, December 16th from noon to 5 at the Bay. More on Facebook and lovethelocalsnebraska.com. My name is Manny Morales. 
I'm 45 and I coach youth football. It's still hard to believe because the high school me was a work in progress. But big brothers, big sisters give me a real role model. And the young me needed a role model bad. My bigger brother's name is Ray. And Ray is the reason that this seven-year-old grows up to be a role model himself. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Vic's show is coming up right after our show here at 12 noon on listener-supported KZUM Lincoln. Uh, if you've been listening to Exploring Unexplained Phenomena for weeks, months, or years, KZUM Radio is the flagship radio station. And many of you are listening world, worldwide right now at kzum.org. Some of you folks are in Lincoln or southeast Nebraska listening to the FM frequency at 89.3 FM. We've also got an archive of this program, and it's pretty easy to find, kzum.org EUP. And that's a free archive. It's also on iTunes. Uh, in turn, because of no commercials and a not-for-profit basis, we ask for listener donations, and especially critical right now at the end of the year, to help us get into this brand new year, 2019, uh, with smooth sailing. Uh, your generous donations help so many people to listen live, and in our case, to listen to the archives of the program, including today's program with Dr. Linda Bachman. That'll be archived and up for a, a listing in about a week. So the long and short of it is that we appreciate your year-end donations. KZUM Radio thanks you in advance. To do so, you can call us at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or you can make your generous donation online at kzum.org. And we all thank you a lot for that. Our special guest today is Dr. Linda Bachman who, with her husband, Dr. Earl Bachman, operates the Raven Heart Center in Boulder, Colorado. I finished your book from cover to cover last night, uh, Dr. Bachman, and I've got lots of questions. I've tried to, to set the stage with our listeners on um, your work as a hypnotherapist, your discovery of past lives, and when was it in this whole process that the idea of interplanetary lives a.k.a. lives spent not here on Earth, but someplace else. When did that start showing up? Well, another, we might say, divine orchestration process. That's my take, Scott. Um, so years ago, when I uh, studied and became a colleague of Dr. Michael Newton's, mm -hmm. um, and some people I'm sure are familiar with him and, and, and know his books, um, he would say, uh, to those of us working closely with him, well, there is such a thing, he would say, as souls that have had lives on Earth and lives not on Earth. And I bought that, but I 
didn't really have a lot of information or context. And then periodically, in probably the first maybe 10 years of my regression practice, um, and, and I might add that I ultimately, I don't know how long ago, but I let go of doing any conventional work, and I do only um, spiritual regression, soul regression work, as well as, uh, you know, counseling related to who we are as a soul. But at any rate, I believed that, yes, you know, what Newton was saying was valid. And then I noticed mm, maybe about 12 or so years ago, I was thinking, um, you know, about my practice. And I guide regression week in and week out. I travel about 50% of the time away from Colorado, including outside the United States to guide regression. So I started examining my practice. And I, I sort of said to myself, you know, Linda, um, 50 to 60% of your clients of late are souls that are uh, discovering past lives not on earth. So I began to wonder about that, and I have now I finally know how to intuitively talk to my guides at times, and I asked my guides, you know, for what reason that was happening, and basically uh, my, my guides said, because we want you to learn a lot more about interplanetary past lives and souls that come to Earth but primarily don't incarnate on Earth, why they're here, what their gifts are, and also what their challenges are, because we want you to help support them more and mm -hmm. provide more information about um, interplanetary lives and souls. And so that's basically how it came to be. Uh, as a, a therapist, uh, I imagine that, that there are trials that you see people going through, as well as uh, there are joyful moments. Uh, besides from, from the intellectual or philosophical interest in past lives, either on Earth or uh, from someplace else, what are some of the benefits of people that they might experience when they understand uh, these past lives and some of the perhaps themes that run through that? How does it benefit them right now? And, and I just want to be sure I understand your question, Scott. Are you asking about understanding our past lives in general or understanding interplanetary past lives? Uh, e either or, because I okay. think there's going to be a significance for, for people in the here and now, um, if I read your book correctly, for, for either of those embodiments. Totally, and, and that is such a crucial point, is that understanding our past lives is not some, let's, you know, historically just know I lived in Egypt or, you know, I lived on a planet or whatever. It's what does that have to do with life today, and how does that help us move forward in mm -hmm. life today? So um, overriding expl explanation is that as a soul, we're required to incarnate because that is how we evolve, that's how we grow, that's how we gain wisdom. We don't primarily evolve out of body. We evolve by coming into body, and essentially when we come into body on Earth, we have free will. So then we make choices um, about behavior and relationships, and will we follow our uh, soul agreements uh, pre-birth? Will we, will we not? So... The, my understanding from, you know, many years of regression is that the only way to evolve is to come into body. And so essentially the value of understanding past lives, no matter where they happen, is, um, and, and I've studied my own past lives, 
is how do we grow and evolve as a soul? Where are the places where we tripped and fell, so to speak, or I would call that karma, making a free will choice in a past life that wasn't the most useful that we can balance in life today? And also, where are those elements or what are those elements in our past lives where we accomplished what we set out to accomplish, what we would call dharma, uh, D-H-A-R-M-A, means soul intention. What did we accomplish in our past lives that in life today we don't give ourselves credit for having accomplished, and yet we've we've been able to have a, 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 a comfortable romantic relationship. We've been a committed parent. We've had a sustainable life with some type of work that is fulfilling. But in life today, we we beat ourselves up because we don't have that. And once we've gained that learning in a past life, that remains, you might say, embedded in our soul energy. So it's all about understanding our karma and our dharma and how that relates to life today moving forward. Mm-hmm. The designation IP, uh, if I understand correctly, stands for an interplanetary soul. And what would be a, a I know that they can range all over the place, what would be a, a particular description of a person uh, that has experienced an interplanetary uh, embodiment? In other words, it sounds like you're saying, what's unique about an an IP soul, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. How would that differ from from Earth-based? Yeah, well, and maybe, if I can, let me me define for the listeners so they know what we're talking about. What is an EB, or an Earth-based soul, Mm -hmm. and what is an IP, or an interplanetary soul? Basically, an earth-based soul is a soul that primarily has incarnated on earth since earth had incarnated souls, since Homo sapiens um, incarnated on our planet um, and came here with purpose. So those of us, this includes me, I happen to be an EB, an earth-based soul, um, and I'm, you know, some people think I'm saying earthbound, and that's a different terminology. So um, the souls that came to Earth tens of thousands of years ago to begin uh, working on the evolution of humanity or the evolution of life on Earth came from somewhere else originally. So my soul, as I understand, came from somewhere else originally, but because I'm an EB, an Earth-based soul, I've been incarnating primarily on Earth for tens of thousands of years. An interplanetary soul is a soul that does not routinely incarnate on Earth, but incarnates other than on Earth, but comes to Earth at pivotal points in Earth's history where evolution, where we're really trying to kind of uptick um, evolution on Earth. Those times would be things like times like Atlantis, um, the time of Jesus, the American Revolution, the French Revolution, and now. So presently on Earth, my understanding is we have a greater influx of interplanetary souls right now because, as I 
think probably most of your listeners would agree, Earth is struggling to to move forward in um, how we function um, as as a human race. Many of the the qualities and traits, characteristics that that we assume to be normal for living here on Earth, um, those are not the same as souls that exist elsewhere. Um, I got from your book that coming to Earth is uh, can be a big challenge for these um, interplanetary souls. Yes, can and often is. Um, so the reason for that, um, and and you know, I know I've given a lot of information. It's very somewhat left-brained information, but I think it's important for 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 listeners to understand. So what what the notion I've gained again from client after client is that about ninety-five percent of the Earth's population of incarnate souls are souls we might say at young and adolescent levels of the stages of soul evolution. More evolved souls on our planet, and it's not better to be a more evolved soul, it's not some claim to fame, it just means you've dug into your lifetimes one after the other and worked on your evolution, and it might have taken hundreds if not thousands of lifetimes. But about, we might say, 3 to 5% of the Earth's population are more advanced souls, and then we have to split that 3 to 5% in half, and about half of that percentage are Earth-based souls, and half of that percentage are interplanetary souls. So bottom line to being an interplanetary soul, an interplanetary soul comes from a place in the celestial realm in the universe that is already evolved. An interplanetary soul, we would say, has a home base that is a healthy culture. So these IP souls bring a high level of soul evolution or a, or a you know a broad healthy perspective of how to operate in body. But IP souls don't generally incarnate on earth. They don't they don't have familiarity with operating in the human body and how the human body works. They don't have familiarity with, I might say, some of the challenges of our human culture. So they bring great wisdom, great gifts, um, but they also struggle with the way of life here and literal physiological challenges. What might some of those be uh, in terms of some of the physical characters, uh, characteristics uh, or challenges that, that IP souls might experience here? Um, I know that that um, the question of uh, weight gain uh, is is one of them that it seems to jump up. Yes, that's one of of many. So sometimes an IP soul struggles; they wish they weighed less, and they need the grounding to 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 be here. Um, and that's not, you know, when I say that, um, it, again, because I'm a psychologist that has helped people with many lifelong issues, including weight, you know, that's not to say that 
um, it isn't important to examine our nutrition and examine mm-hmm. um, our level of exercise. And so it's not like let's just make this an excuse and you know ignore taking care of our bodies. But um, an IP soul in terms of physiological challenges, um, they they often struggle with dietary and digestive issues. They often have very narrow diets in order to feel well. Um, so, you know, they might be lactose intolerant or, you know, gluten intolerant. They, they might have all kinds of, 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 of foods that don't, don't suit them. They have uh, also a lot of other kinds of allergies, chemical sensitivities, skin issues, and then for some IPs, but not all, it, it's, it's even a bit more ex- extreme or expansive. A lot of IPs struggle with autoimmune issues, um, and, and they don't understand why the autoimmune issues don't get better. Um, ma- many IPs then deal with social anxiety. Um, many IPs come from places, so, so, so just to repeat, IPs come from healthy places. Diet is healthy. Um, relationships are are healthy and appropriate. Um, communication might be completely telepathic. So I would hazard to say that many of the people that have been diagnosed, including children, um, that have been diagnosed on the autistic spectrum, that many of these people are interplanetary souls that simply haven't learned the way that we communicate or the way that we as humans interrelate, that they have a healthy telepathic way of communicating. Um, and and uh, so that's why they, you know, we have many um, children being diagnosed ADHD, being diagnosed um, uh, Asperger's and all of that. I think many of those I'm holding the the most recent book, Souls on Earth, <clears throat> exploring uh, interplanetary past lives, and one of the uh, valuable things that I found from this book is that at the end of each chapter, uh, Linda has got questions and musings. Uh, for example, this is the end of chapter for Survival Guide for Interplanetary Souls on Earth. Uh, question number one, if you're an IP or interplanetary soul, what is your most useful survival tool? Do you have someone in your life you can turn to when you're struggling? Number two, uh, which is applicable to many of us, if you're the parent of an IP or interplanetary soul, what is the most beneficial tool for your child? Does your child need quiet time, a special diet, or a physical outlet to release pent-up energy? And question three, if you're an IP or interplanetary soul, do you have a dense body at your home base? How do the qualities of life on your home base affect you in life today? Any comments on those questions or or musings, Linda? Well... (laughs) All kinds of comments, Scott, come to my mind. I'm thinking about um, a, a child, a boy, who goes to school with mm-hmm. one of our grandchildren. And 
this this boy is about 12 at this point, and I met him when I went to a special event at our grandson's school. And um, th- th- this boy, if you met him today at age 12, you would just think he's probably a you know he's a pretty whatever normal means, but he's a a normal seeming kid. But I know because I met his parents that he didn't speak a word until he was more than two years old. And yet, um, somewhere around 18, 20 months of age, he could pick up a book and read it. So when I say it didn't speak a word, let me clarify that. That's probably not very clear. He didn't um, converse in conversation until he was about age two. But around the age of 18 months, he could pick up a book and and read the book out loud, uh, you know, rather easily. Um, I'm sure it maybe wasn't a, a textbook in a, you know, maybe a college-level course, but it was a book that he could pick up and read out loud. I suspect, I don't know for sure, I suspect he's an interplanetary soul, that he hadn't figured out a comfort level with conversation, but he's extremely bright. So that, you know, that's an example um, another quick example is a is a client um, who we determined through regression work that um, one of her children, her son, who's, I don't know, in his 20s now, when he was about three or four years old, she found him one evening at the front door, and he had a, a bag or a wagon or something, and he had some clothes he'd thrown in there and some, you know, some toys and things, and, and she said, you know, son, where are you going? And he just very uh, uh, adult-like, he said, um, Mom, I'm going out in the world to make <laughs> my way. It's time for me to, you know, go out into the world. And she, you know, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, three or four years old, no. Um, but but these are, you know, we need to understand not only IP adults, of course we need to understand IP adults, but we have a lot of IP children that I think are painfully mislabeled and misunderstood. I, I read that anecdote in your book, and it, it uh, caused me to reflect upon a personal experience that when I was a little boy, um, my dad is away at work, and I'm at home with my mother, and we have some sort of disagreement. So I said to Mom, going in old car, leaving you. And I walked out of the house. I went out to the older car in the driveway that was uh, unlocked but safely parked there. And uh, I opened the car up, and I just sat in the car. And I waited for my dad to come home from from work. So I was going to go someplace besides <laughs> besides the home. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, so a lot of us that are, are listening right now, uh, we are parents of kids. And... Uh, Without saying that this is a hard and fast list, uh, what are some of the things that people listening to us today might recognize as being uh, characteristics of an interplanetary soul? We've talked about a few of the physical challenges that may be asthma-related, may be attention deficit, uh, concerns about weight gain, is there is there any other uh, uh, recognitions that people listening can uh, can reflect upon right now? 
Yes, um, there are many. So let me see how many I can just bring up and, and share with you. So um, I, I, I find at times um, when I when I interview a new client, and of course these are these are not very young children. Very young children are not regressible. But so when I interview a client, that's usually someone at least 15, 16 years old, if not, you know, much older than that. I listen and log into my mind things that the client says, um, but I never say anything to the client until we do the regression, so I don't want to bias their regression. But I have clients at times who will come in, and one of the uh, one of the things I hear often, and then we through the regression we discover um, this is an interplanetary soul, um, one of the things I hear is that the client will say, I've always felt like an alien on Earth. And I would say more often than not, that turns out to be someone who's had more lives not on Earth than on Earth. So that's that's kind of a, a it's a sense of not, in, in a major way, not in a minor way, feeling like they don't fit here. Then other clients will say, you know, my favorite thing to do from the time I was a kid is just to stare out the window at night and stare at the night sky, and I'm just fascinated, but I don't always know why, that I'm more comfortable looking out at the night sky um, than, you know, doing something inside the house or, or something like that. Um, other characteristics um, are, and this is where this, you know, it's not a litmus test, so it's not like as I give examples, as, you know, people listening to what I'm saying, please don't automatically think that if you've said you feel like an alien or if you fit something I describe, that doesn't, you know, it's not a one-to-one for sure thing. But um, many of the uh, clients slash souls that I work with that are IPs um, are people that need a lot of time by themselves or they need some, you know, time I might say off the grid um, they might need to live off the grid, or they might live, you know, uh, so, you know, I live, Boulder, Colorado has grown a lot, so we've become very much an expansive city, and, you know, we're part of the Denver metro area, but an IP soul might live, um, you know, up in the foothills of the Rockies, um, 30 or 45 minutes away from, from Boulder, because they need nature, they need wildlife, um, and they need away from the energetic stress of you know everyday hu- human human life. Um, IP souls tend to have gifts and challenges. So they might be a very capable musician, but they've never found it easy to be in a romantic relationship. Um, yeah, they're. I have to say, because I work with so many IP souls now, they're uniquely fascinating people. Um, Sometimes you can look at an IP soul. Sometimes I can look at a person who comes in or just meet somebody, even if they're not my client, and I begin to have a hunch they might be an IP soul. It might be because they have a very unusual um, haircut or hair color, it might be that they wear an unusual combination of colors or designs of of, of clothing, um, and yet again, every, 
everybody. That's not a one-to-one um, relationship. Um, I would just say IPs almost always have a very expanded perspective of how people should behave or might behave in a more healthy way. Um, and they're not, you know, they need quiet time and space. They also often need um, time with animals. So those are some examples. The uh, the uh, 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 recollections of uh, that you shared of uh, being a musician and having sometimes trouble with uh, relationships, I sat up on my chair and I said, "How did she know that about me? How did?" <laughs> uh, uh, the book that we're talking about today and some of Dr. Bachman's work is Souls on Earth. Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. And a thumbnail sketch, the basic premise is, is that, that people do have past lives, and they spend those past lives both on Earth as an Earth-based uh, soul, reincarnating uh, repeatedly here on Earth. There are also those that are rarer that are an interplanetary soul that have spent most of their time, if not all their time, in some other place besides Earth. It could be a different uh, dimension, a different physical density. Um, there may be more energy constructs and less embodiments in a physical body. Uh, and so that poses particular challenges when they agree to come to Earth uh, for part of their mission. and. Dr. Bachman, after a bottom hour break, can we talk about how that soul decides that and talk a little bit about the council, their spirit guides, and how this all kind of comes together cohesively that brings this interplanetary soul to Earth? Absolutely. I will look forward to it. This is, uh, and Dr. Bachman, is there a public phone number for the center that you can give out for anybody that listening that does not have access to a computer readily? Sure. And, you know, I'll just say quickly as I give out this phone number, I am doing a live teaching today about soul evolution that just happens to be happening today um, at 4 p.m. Pacific and related times. And if anyone wants to, uh, to sign up for that, um, I'll give an email address and a, and a phone number. Um, uh, and, and this is actually my husband, Earl Backman, because he runs our business and handles all those details. So you can reach him at Earl at ravenheartcenter.com, Earl at ravenheartcenter.com. And um, you can also reach him by phone, 303-818-0575, And 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific time would be 2 p.m. Uh, Central time. And sorry, did I say, so I, I'm, I'm not giving you the right time. Sorry, Scott. It's at 1 p.m., and this I, this is correct. Um, today, 1 p.m. Um, 1 p.m. Pacific, so um, 2 p.m. Mountain, and so on and so forth. It'll be live, a teaching on soul evolution, um, sharing about past lives, including Earth and 
and uh, interplanetary. So people might want to come watch that. It's a it's a live uh, video teaching. So 1 p.m. Pacific would be 3 p.m. Central Time then. That's correct. Okay. Um, this is Dr. Linda Bachman, the author of three books, including Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. And after our break now, we'll come back and talk about um, how decisions are made for an interplanetary soul to get them or bring them here to Earth. I'm Scott Colborn, and Jim Shorney's over here. Our coffee cups are full, and we appreciate you folks out there listening and being part of the broadcast. Uh, at year-end, if you'd like to give a gift, a donation to nonprofit, non-commercial KZUM radio, we would gratefully acknowledge that. You can do so by calling us at 402-474-5086, extension 1, or you can make your generous donation online at kzum.org. Uh, they've had my back now for 34 years of broadcast. Uh, we started the, the show back in 1984, and uh, in October of 2018, we celebrated 34 years of broadcast. Never once has KZM Radio said that I could not talk to somebody. They've given me total free reign on who I can have as guests every week. They've been at my back all those 34 years. And there are many reasons to support KZM Radio. The fact that we've been able to do this program uh, without oversight, trusting that, that uh, Jim and I and Colleen would do a good job, I think is very, very valuable. And uh, please consider supporting that. 402-474-5086, extension 1 or make your donation online at kzum.org. We'll be right back with our special guest, Dr. Linda Bachman. Her website is ravenheartcenter.com, and she's got that special uh, classroom, that special uh, thing happening today, that would be at 3 o'clock Central, 1 o'clock Pacific. And more information, I believe, uh, would also be on your website. Is that correct, Dr. Bachman? That is totally correct. RavenHeartCenter.com. Thanks for being out there. Stay tuned for more conversation. We'll be right back. Hey, the voice of the blues in Lincoln, Nebraska, KZUM Lincoln and KZUM HD. Support for This Week in Lincoln comes from The Bay, The Bourbon Theater, Duffy's Tavern, and The Zoo Bar. This is live music happening this week in Lincoln. Saturday, December 15th brings an 8 o'clock show to The Bourbon Theater with Thaddeus Gonzalez, The Rewind, and Producers of the Word. Earl and them return to The Zoo Bar stage at 6. And the third annual Nebraska Funk and Soul Alliance, a benefit for local nonprofits serving at-risk youth, brings a dozen performers and DJs to three stages at the Zoo Bar, Duffy's Tavern, and Bodega's Alley at 9. That's all happening this week in Lincoln. The full moon lights the silver rails winding around dark mountains and over steep gorges of jagged rock in one freezing cold rushing Black Mountain River. I wish there was enough time to describe all of the funny twists and turns that led up to now, but there isn't enough time because there's a ticking clock 
and the two passengers we care most about don't know anything about it. To see what happens next, visit read.gov to read The Exquisite Corpse, a riveting adventure pieced together by John Sheska, Shannon Hale, Daniel Handler, and other popular authors. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Far from the din of commercial culture and just this side of the abstract is a place I call Mesoterra. I'm Vic Valverde, your tour guide for an eclectic musical excursion on a program called Mesoterra. Saturdays, 12 noon until 1.30, right here on KZUM. Our guest next week on Exploring Unexplained Phenomena is Reverend Dr. Jimmy Shelbourne, the Associate Pastor at Westminster Presbyterian Church. It's our Christmas show, and he'll be on the show talking about prescient dreams in the Bible and hope, faith, and a prayer or two. This morning, our guest is Dr. Linda Bachman. She and her husband, Dr. Earl Bachman, operate Raven Heart Center in the Boulder, Colorado area. And the brand new book is Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. There's a special get together, a presentation, uh, a workshop, if you will, that Linda is doing today at 3 p.m. Central. There's more information at ravenheartcenter.com. Linda, before this bottom of our break, I asked you to, to maybe talk about how that whole process, as you understand it from all these regressions, how this whole process happens that an interplanetary soul would even decide that it was beneficial or necessary to come to Earth. How do, how do they reach that, that decision? Yeah, great question, Scott. Um, let me just say that um, IP souls um, as they, as you put it to, as they decide they're going to incarnate on Earth. For some, it's easier to agree to do uh, such a thing, um, and for others, it's not. So um, some IPs, maybe the first, first piece of the answer would be some IPs, as, as I refer to them, um, and I'm trying to, I'm pausing so I can make this clear. Um, Some IPs have been on Earth 50 times, 100 times, yet they've been um, elsewhere incarnate. They also have a home base, so they've been incarnate somewhere um, other than on Earth, and they have a unique home base that is not tied to Earth frequency. They've had past lives hundreds, if not thousands of times, not on Earth. So those IPs that have been here, you know, 50 or 100 times, they come here a little bit more easily. They operate here uh, with a bit of greater comfort. But I do have clients who will say um, that they were, mm, you know, I I don't know if I want to say coerced and use a word quite that strongly, but they're strongly encouraged to come here to Earth. Why? Because... We need their wisdom. We need their gifts. Uh, 
Some IPs come to Earth, you might say, as a scout, meaning uh, souls have never come from the home base of that particular IP, and that uh, IP location is quite aware of the struggles that are going on with humanity and intend to, you might say, send more IPs from that location with their unique skills and gifts to Earth. And sometimes my client is a bit of a scout and is, uh, while they're incarnate on Earth, is simultaneously, um, energetically sending information to their home base to better prepare IP souls from that home base to come to Earth. So that's just one example. It's sometimes an easy decision, and sometimes it's a little bit, I'll have clients say, I kind of came kicking and screaming. So this is an area that we might call a a life between life, if you will. And who who is the uh, counsel that may be an advisory group to this IP soul? Okay. So let me, let me just say that all souls, earth-based or IP, have guides and have a team of guides that we could call a council of guides. Um, IPs are a little bit unique in terms of um, the, their guide, you know, sort of who that guide is, and how many guides they have. So what's unique about IPs is because IPs are always highly evolved, there are times when that IP soul that, of course, has been my client, so that's how I learn about it, that IP soul might be guided primarily by their higher self. So I think maybe everyone knows, but just to be sure that that, that I define this, when we're incarnate, um, on Earth, we have a slice, if you will, a, a, fa- a fractal, a holographic portion of our soul energy that resides with, within our body, attached to our body that causes us to be alive. The remainder of our soul energy is our higher self that remains um, at our soul's home base. So for some IP souls, it's their higher self that is their main guide because they're so evolved. For other IP souls, they do have a guide um, that is a soul separate from themselves. Um, And IPs might have a small team of guides um, as well. But but what I think, so just to kind of take this a couple steps further, Scott, what I think you're probably also referring to is um, not related to guides, but is related to, let me see if I can define this, clearly and and not take too long, the earth um, has a council of evolved souls. These are the higher selves of evolved souls that primarily incarnate on earth. It's almost like a parliament. It's almost like a, a congress or a council of evolved souls that do what they can as guides, because they're not necessarily in body. They make decisions to try to help Earth to evolve. So that's, that's what I would call the Earth Council. There's also an interplanetary council, which means representatives from various celestial locations um, 
right now the council I'm defining would be within our solar system, within the solar system of Earth. There is an interplanetary council where um, various representatives, again like a Congress, um, from various celestial locations inside of our solar system meet, if you will, come together to attempt to evolve both parts of our solar system and also in regard to the Earth to help the Earth to evolve because there are representatives from, um, from the Earth Council that are members of the Interplanetary Council. Yeah. The uh, the book I believe it was called Life Between <clears throat> Excuse Me Life Between Life by Dr. Joel Witten. Right. I read that years ago, and uh, found it fascinating that uh, that there was this period between incarnations where souls would decide uh, what they needed to uh, do, experience, work on, achieve. What were successes? What were uh, uh, failures or not hitting the mark? And they made decisions to then incarnate uh, to be able to to either work out, work on, or experience those things as sort of a never-ending school. And so this can be a little bit different than for an interplanetary soul. Uh, they are more highly evolved. Uh, and they may be coming here. Uh, they will benefit, of course, by by the experience. But it may be because they're volunteering to help better things here. That may be one of their primary movers, or it may not be as strong as a mover for an Earth-based soul. Did I characterize that difference correctly? Um. Yes. I think, both both I souls think, want to be of service. Right. So Earth-based advanced souls and IPs that are always advanced come to Earth to help advance humanity and to be of service. At the same time, um, it's not to say that IPs, as well as EBs, it's not to say that IPs don't still have karma or soul evolution that they're working on. So I don't want people to come away from what we're discussing and think, well, if they suspect or they know they're an IP soul, that they're not still working on their soul's evolution and you might say balancing karma. They are um, just as advanced EBs are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this whole discussion, where, uh, for the listener's benefit, where does the idea or concept of God or Creator fit in? Uh, oh, is, I love that. is this an overarching uh, energy present in all things that is part of the, the breath behind the breath, the life force? Uh, how does the concept of God or Creator fit into this? I love very much, Scott, that you're asking that question. It absolutely fits in, and there, you know, choose your term. You can call it God, as you say, life force. Call it the source, whatever you know, the Tao, whatever you wish to call that higher, more evolved frequency. Yes, it absolutely overrides, or you know, is like an umbrella 
over um, earth-based souls and IP souls. And um, some of my clients um, have an inkling or some description of that higher, higher evolved frequency. But I have no doubt that it it exists and is is real. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got uh, Dr. Bachman, as you and Earl probably do also, I've got uh, friends who um, identify as being atheists, uh, how does this fit into uh, their choices and their, their, their life patterns? Well, I think that's, that's why I'm using so many terms, because, you know, atheists might say, well, I don't believe in God, but atheists might say, but I kind of have this sense there's some greater force, there's some power. Um, so this does not, the, the work that I do um, it, it can fit into someone's um, Western religious beliefs, and I say Western because mm-hmm. Eastern has been teaching reincarnation for, you know, forever, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, but it, it's all the same. It's that there is a higher force that guides us, and it doesn't have to have any religious context whatsoever. And my final question for you, <clears throat> Dr. Bachman, have you ever seen a UFO? Well, hmm, that's great. Um, do I have clients describing UFOs in detail, including past lives where they're UFOs? Yes, mm-hmm. I have no doubt. I believe um, that there are UFOs. Have I seen a UFO? Good question. You know, sometimes I look at cloud formations in the sky that seem unusual, and me personally, I begin to wonder if there's some connection. But I can't really say to you for sure, have I seen a UFO, but I believe they do exist. Mm-hmm. As is my, my uh, penchant, I'd like to give you this last 60 seconds to have an open microphone, Dr. Bachman, in front of you, and to be able to speak freely from your heart to the hearts and minds of my listeners. Great. Thank you for that. Um, well, I, I want to say to everyone, um, please know that you are here on Earth with purpose. We never come without purpose. Um, honor who you are as a soul. Pay attention to your passions and what you're drawn to, because that has to do um, with your life on, on Earth. I would be very open to having people um, reach out to me. As a, Again, I'm doing this live one-hour free teaching, but you have to register. So um, you can go to ravenheartcenter.com to register for, uh, again, it's uh, 2 to 3 p.m. Um, Central Time. And then um, please contact me if you're interested in, in reading or asking questions. Um, I guide past life regression by phone. I don't guide the longer type of regression by phone. I I guide it face-to-face, but I travel a lot. So, um, you know, if nothing else, pick up one of my books. Um, Let it be just, you know, don't don't buy lock, stock, and barrel everything I've said. Um, Use your own mind and heart and take yourself uh, where it takes you. And um, it's just a a pleasure, Scott, to be able to be with you today and, and answer such wonderful questions. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Bachman. <clears throat> Excuse me, let me clear my throat. Thank you so much for taking time from your weekend 
uh, in advance of also this special presentation today uh, to be with my audience. Uh, the show is uh, being archived. It'll be available in about a week, and I'll send you and Earl the, the link for that free archive. People can listen uh, any place, anytime, totally free of charge. Uh, I enjoyed and benefited from reading your book this week, Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives. And could people pick this book up without reading your, your previous two books and be okay? Yes, they'd, they'd, they'd be fine. And, and it's important, too, for people to know it's also on Kindle if they don't want to read hard copy. But yes, they don't have to read books one and two in order to read this third book, Souls on Earth. I'm sure glad you're printing these because I'm just old school. There's something about the feel, the texture, the smell, the whole experience of holding the printed book in my hand that the electronic stuff just doesn't provide. So um, all the best, Dr. Bachman, to you and Earl. Thank you for your important work, and please keep us posted of your future. Thank you for having me, Scott. Have a great rest of your day. Dr. Linda Bachman the author of Souls on Earth, Exploring Interplanetary Past Lives, our special guest today. Next week, we've got Reverend Dr. Jimmy Shelbourne, the Associate Pastor for Westminster Presbyterian Church, our annual Christmas program, Prescient Dreams in the Bible and Hope, Faith, or a Prayer or Two. Folks, we're so glad that you're listening, and we look forward to having you with us every single week in the future. You can stay warm this winter with our new KZUM socks. That's correct, I said KZUM socks. Or you can consider that as a gift to a, a family member or friend. This is a special thank you gift when you donate at kzum.org or by calling me now with your year-end gift to KZUM at 402-474-5086, extension 1. Thank you so much for listening. And Jim, what are you doing for the rest of the weekend? I think I'm going to enjoy the weather. You know, you okay. asked for a forecast earlier. 52 and sunny today, 50 and sunny tomorrow. And continuing, 51 and sunny Monday. So, enjoy. I'm going to play some guitar. I'm Scott Colborn. Thank you so much for listening, for being a part of our conversation today with Dr. Linda Bachman. And until next week, walk in beauty.